Around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. Have gun, will travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of the man called Paladin. And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this morning. OCR And now, here is OCR You ought to go fishing, Matt. What? Have some fun yourself. Quit worrying for a while. Uh, I'm not worried, Kitty. You know, if it wasn't for all these men stalking each other, I'd be out of a job. There are other jobs besides keeping the peace, Matt. Yeah, I've tried most of them in my time. Hey, Mr. Dillon. Hello, Miss Kitty. Hello, Chester. Uh, Doc sent me to find you. There's an old man up in his office. Oh, what does he want me for? The old man's been shot. Shot? Yes, sir. Claims somebody tried to kill him. You mean he was ambushed? I guess he was. Anyway, it hit him in the neck. <clears throat> all right, Chester. I'll go back with you. He's got a friend with him. But they're both strangers around here. Now, you see what I mean, Kitty? Young or old, they're all looking for trouble. Maybe it'd help if we burned this place down. I'll sit here and think. See you about it later, Matt. This just might be one of those days when Matt Dillon should have gone fishing instead of staying in town. Hey, everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to Gunsmoke. This episode is from February 20th, 1954, and the episode is entitled Last Fling. I guess together we'll find out what last fling really means. Enjoy this. And I'll be back with Half Gun Will Travel. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. States Marshal. Kitty. 
<laughs> I didn't see you. You'll get shot someday walking around in a daze like that. You'll get sunstroke sitting out here in the heat and the dust. I don't see people in the daylight very often. Wanted to find out if they're any different. <laughs> Sit down. Uh, well, are they? Any different? Uh, I don't know. But I've spotted a few I think might be sober. <laughs> That's different. Uh, for you, maybe. And I was just thinking, Kitty, there's hardly a man comes to Dodge that isn't looking for trouble of some kind. They call it fun. Yeah, sure. But part of their fun's beating somebody up or shooting him. I've heard of places where the men have to check their guns when they come to town. Oh, that never works. They can always hide a gun. Or a knife. You ought to go fishing, Matt. What? Have some fun yourself. Quit worrying for a while. Oh, I'm not worried, Kitty. You know, if it wasn't for all these men stalking each other, I'd be out of a job. There are other jobs besides keeping the peace, Matt. Yeah, I've tried most of them in my time. Hello, Miss Kitty. Hello, Chester. Uh, Doc sent me to find you. There's an old man up in his office. Oh, what does he want me for? The old man's been shot. Shot? Yes, sir. Claims somebody tried to kill him. You mean he was ambushed? I guess he was. Anyway, it hit him in the neck. All right, Chester. I'll go back with you. He's got a friend with him. But they're both strangers around here. Now, you see what I mean, Kitty? Young or old, they're all looking for trouble. Maybe it'd help if we burned this place down. I'll sit here and think. See you about it later, Matt. Where's the doc? Somebody come for him. Oh, what do you mean? Somebody come for him. That's what. Said somebody else was sick. You're the man that was shot, huh? We don't need you, Marshal. We'll handle this. What's your name, mister? Peavy. John Peavy. My partner's name is Rives. Milligan Rives, Marshal. You ain't never here to us. Where are you from? Up north. The sodbusters don't usually wear six guns. What are you doing in Dodge? We quit the land, Marshal. We're going to enjoy ourselves with change. We ain't never going back. Oh, you're a little old to be making a move like that, aren't you? I ain't hardly 60. Neither is right. Mm -hmm. Well, it didn't take you long to get into trouble, did it? We ain't in trouble. Maybe you're not Rives, but Peavy here's just been shot. I told you we'd handle this, Marshal. Ain't nobody gonna sneak up on John Peavy and shoot him. I don't care if she is a woman. A woman? What woman? Oh, you already did talk too much, Peavy. Might as well tell him now. I ain't gonna tell him. I'll fix her myself. You'll tell me or I'll throw you in jail till you do. I'm not going to have any women killed around here. Do you understand that? Hey, go on, tell him. You already started. Yeah. All right. She, she come up the alley, Marshal, next to our sleeping room. And she shot right through the window. Rive seen her running around the corner after her. I, I, I'm going to fix her good. She's been threatening him, Marshal. I'm here to do it. Who is this woman? What's her name? Yeah, she's one of them 
Them gals that works at the Texas Trail, Marshal. Name of Kitty. I'm sorry to bother you, Kitty. Oh, well, come in. Come in. My room's a mess. I wasn't expecting any callers. Well, it's uh, important, Kitty. Of course. What's the trouble, man? You know a man called John Peavy? Peavy? Yeah. Yeah, I know him, the old fool. But did you threaten to shoot him? Don't tell me he's come and complained to you about that. Well, no, not exactly. Well... I told him I'd shoot him, and I will, too, if he doesn't leave me alone, the old goat. He's been shot, Kitty. What? He wasn't hurt very bad, but uh, he and his partner claim a woman did it. And they say it was you. Do you think I did it, Matt? Well, Kitty, if you got mad enough and you had a gun in your hand, I'd be one of the first to hide. But to, to sneak up on somebody in cold blood, it... no, you didn't do it. When did it happen? Oh, an hour or two ago. I've been right here, alone. I guess I couldn't prove it. Well, you don't have to, Kitty. Thanks, Matt. The reason I came was uh, to tell you about it and see... Well, see if you had any ideas. All I know about Peavy and his friend Rice is that there are a couple of old men who've been acting like schoolboys. Oh. Like they've run away and are having their last fling. And I don't want anything to do with either one of them. Well, I don't blame you, but... Uh... Ryves claims he saw a woman down the alley after the shooting. You, uh, any idea who it might have been? No. He's probably lying, dreaming. Yeah, maybe. Well, if you hear anything, let me know, Kitty. And, uh, if PV gives you any more trouble, send for me. I sure will. been up this early in the morning since I can remember, Mr. Dillon. Oh? Um, how about last Sunday, Chester? Last Sunday? Yeah. Oh, well, that's different. That was still Saturday night, sort of. <laughs> hey, look, there comes Miss Kitty. What in the world is she doing up at this hour? Uh, she's in a hurry, whatever she's doing. Matt! Hello, Chester. Morning, Miss Kitty. What's the trouble, Kitty? Matt, somebody tried to shoot me. What? In my room, just a while ago. I had a pillow down by my feet. I guess they thought my head was there. They put a bullet right through it. What, did you see anybody? No, it came from outside. I didn't dare look out right away. It's kind of the same as happened to Peavy, Mr. Jones. Yeah, maybe it was Peavy. He threatened something like this. I'm scared, Matt. Well, you should be. Chester. Yes, sir. You stay with Kitty. Don't let her out of your sight. I'm going after Peavy and Rives. the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, every Tuesday, Pam and Jerry North prove that solving a murder is a family affair. And on the same evening, John Lund, as yours truly, Johnny Dollar, 
brings us the thrilling details of his latest insurance fraud investigation. Now the second act of Gunsmoke. By noon, I'd searched the whole town. And there was no sign of Peavy or his friend Raz. They disappeared. And until I found them, I didn't dare leave Kitty where they could get at her. So I had Chester drive her out to a friend's place a few miles from Dodge, and she was happy to go. And we didn't have any luck until the next afternoon. Cowboy happened to mention to Chester that he'd come across a couple of drunks camped about a mile up the Arkansas. I decided it was worth riding out and taking a look. And it was. It's him, all right. Yeah, and they've seen us. Keep your head up now. You think they'll fight us? Ah, uh, you never know. Oh. Oh, boy. What are you doing out here? Michael. Looking for you? Well, you found it. Get down and have a drink. Well, what you got there? Corn liquor. Only about half a jug left, though. What's that other jug? We killed that yesterday. Here, have a swallow. Well, say, now, that's right kind of... Chester. Yeah, but of course I don't drink before sundown. Leastwise, not very often. Why'd you come out here if, uh, if you don't want to drink? How long have you men been here? Day before yesterday. Peavy's neck was bothering him, and I figured a couple of days in camp like this might ease it off some. I get to feeling better. I'm going back and... Teach that gal Kitty a lesson, though. I swear I am. Somebody tried that this morning. Huh? What, what do you mean? She got shot at, Peavy, the same way you did. That don't make no sense. Why, he's just thinking you done it, Peavy. How could I do it? I've been laying here drunk for two days. Anyway, uh, I wouldn't shoot no woman, Marshal. I have uh, Beat him up a little, that's all. You know, knock him around. Well, what kind of men you think we are? I don't know. Why did you leave home in the first place? Yeah, home. <laughs> Man don't live forever, Marshal. You got to enjoy yourself while you can. It rives. Rives. You tell him what you told me. About them graves. Well, I, I was in the graveyard once, long time ago, and I noticed something I never forgot. No, sir. Never. Yeah, tell him where I Yeah, Marshal, I, I looked around, and I seen that there was as many graves shorter than me as there was graves longer. And uh, that got him to thinking about dying, Marshal. So, one day we decided to enjoy ourselves and 
quit working so hard. Hey, hey, hand me that jug, Rise. Yeah, help yourself. Uh, Hold it a minute, Phoebe. Huh? I want to tell you something. What? I'm going to leave you here, but if I see you around Dodge, either one of you, I'll throw you in jail. What's that? He ain't done nothing. You have it in mind to beat up Kitty. If you did that, I might kill you. So stay out of town. Come on, Chester. We left them there, passing the jug back and forth across their fire on the riverbank. Talking of death, probably, and of the hard, empty lives that they'd had. And the prairie often left men a little too hungry and a little too dry. Chester and I were talking about it when we spotted a woman up ahead. She was walking after a saddle horse, which we figured must have thrown her and got loose. She was an old woman, and dressed for Sunday with a long black skirt and a big hat with a fancy pin stuck through it. I sent Chester to catch the horse while I rode up to her and dismounted. <laughs> My friend will bring your horse back, ma'am. Are you all right? I'm all right. Well, how'd he get loose? Mean critter, he run off. Oh, I see. Uh, you live around here? No. You've been down by the river, ain't you? I just came from there. Why? See anybody? Well, a couple of men lying around a fire, that's all. Drinking? Yeah. Yeah, they were drinking. Uh, you know them? I might. Are you... Looking for somebody? I might be. Well, uh, maybe you'd like us to ride back there with you. And, uh... I don't need nobody to ride nowhere with me, mister. Oh. Oh, what's your name, ma'am? What's my name? I don't take to scallywag cowboys asking me my name. Well, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. You didn't? No, ma'am. Of course I didn't. What's yours? Matt Dillon, ma'am. Dillon. I heard that name somewhere. We won't be introduced proper unless you tell me yours. My name's Sabina Peavy. Ms. Peavy? I've been married 35 years, Dillon. Here he is, Mr. Dillon. Seems gentle enough. I'll hold him while you get back on, man. I can manage. Hey, look what you've got tied to your saddle, Mr. Dillon. One of them old cavalry pistols. Yeah, grab it and put it in your belt, Chester. What? You heard me. Yes, sir. You put that back, you thief. What are you, anyways? Suppose you'll steal my horse next. I'm a U.S. Marshal, Miss Peavy. Everything's going to be all right. A Marshal, eh? I uh, want you to come back to Dodge with me. Chester will bring your husband in. Is she Peavy's wife? You can't stop me, Marshal. Chester, huh? go back to that camp and shoot a hole in their jug. And when they're sober enough, bring them to town. And don't say anything about Miss Peavy. Yes, sir, I'll do it. You're going to be all right with me, ma'am. Well, you stole my gun and you're stronger than me. I guess I'll have to go. <laughs>
Shall I snag another pot of coffee for us, ma'am? No. No, thanks, Dylan. Ah. They ought to be here pretty soon. It's nearly evening. You'll tell that girl, Kitty, how sorry I am I tried to shoot her, won't you? I'm sure Kitty will understand. Imagine me being blind jealous after 35 years. You, uh, told me you were out to kill your husband. If that's true, why would you be jealous? You can be jealous, even if you hate a man, Dylan. You hate Peavy? I didn't know how much I hated him. Till a day that old fool rides come by. The two of them rode off together. He come into the house and took the money and left, just like that. After 35 years. How, uh, how'd you know they'd come here? Oh, they was always talking about Dodge. They was always talking about laying on the bank of the Arkansas and drinking corn liquor, too. I knowed where they was. You're mighty dressed up for a woman riding out to shoot a man. Well, it seemed fitting somehow. Only good clothes I ever owned, Dylan. Wore them when I left home, St. Louis. Well, I'm glad I ran into you, Miss Peavy, before it was too late. I'll talk to him. I told you I would. But I ain't never going back to him. He's had his fun. Maybe he'll settle down. Not with me, he won't. Dylan, I bore that man 13 children. 13? 11 of them died. And he beat me. Every time we lost one. Every time, Dylan. Oh, I see. Well, uh, where are the other two? He ran them off. Don't know where they are. Huh. Uh. Oh, oh, here, here comes your husband. Looks like Chester's got him pretty sober. But I, I don't want to talk to him in here in front of everybody. Well, you, you could go out back there and one of their cells, if you don't mind. What difference it make? My, my hat on straight, Dylan? Yeah. Yes, ma'am, you look fine. I'll wait out back. All right, in here. Here they are, Mr. Dillon. Sober as deacon. What's this all about, Marshal? What do you want us for? We ain't bothered nobody. Peavy, hmm? you go out back through that door. There's somebody wants to see you. Who? Get moving. No, you stay here, Rives. Go on, Peavy. Well, all right. Who's out there, Marshal? His wife. You, what will I do with their guns, Mr. Dillon? Uh, throw them in a drawer, Chester. Okay, sir. Hey, what's that? He's beating her. Come on. Look at Peavy. She knocked him.
him out. I think I killed him, Dylan. Killed him? He sure looks dead. You stabbed him. I had been. He beat me for the last time. Said he was going to kill me. I put it right in his heart. Well, you little devil, I'll get you. No, you won't, Rives. Miss Peavy, you come with me. Chester, lock up Rives in another cell. What for? You can't lock me up. Oh, you ain't even armed, Rives. Get him over there. I'm going to get you on the end All right, sir. Come into the office. He was going to kill me, Dylan. I know he was. Well, I... I shouldn't have let him be alone with you. You didn't know. What are you going to do with me now? You, uh... You mentioned St. Louis, Miss Peavy. Uh... You, you have any people there? My sister. She's all left. Huh. Well, how'd you like to see her? You ain't holding me? It was self-defense. Then I can go. I'll hold Rives here till you're out of town. Oh, but I... I can't get to St. Louis. Took all her money when he ran off. It's all spent, I know it. Miss Peavy... Would you think I'm a scallywag cowboy if uh, I offered to stake you to St. Louis? Thanks, Dylan. Wait till I tell my sister about you. of Norman MacDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner, Ralph Moody, and Helen Cleave. Harley Bear is Chester, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Broadway and film versions of Top Banana visits Mike Wallace on Stage Struck tomorrow over most of these same stations. George Walsh speaking. Stay tuned for Gangbusters, which follows in a few minutes over most of these same stations. This is the CBS Radio Network. White horse? Yes? My name is Paladin. This is my card. Have gun, will travel. I see. Thank you, Mr. Paladin. Not interested? If I had money to hire you, I wouldn't be hiking 20 miles carrying this saddle. I would have another horse. 
I happen to be going your way. Why don't you put your saddle over this other horse of mine? No obligation. It is right to tell you, even if I had money, I would not hire you. I don't hold with men who follow the gun. I agree, Mr. Whitehorse. It's not a practical business, but 20 miles is a long walk. And this is a heavy saddle. I accept your kind offer, Mr. Paladin. A hundred and fifty prime healthy cows. Now ten are dead. The rest ready to fall. They keep losing weight, dying. Has a veterinary looked at them? I can't get him to come out and look. I am a mission Indian, educated Indian. I have few friends among my own people and fewer among yours. Yes, I saw an example of that back there in Brotherton. They don't want me in that town. I can't trade in the stores. I buy supplies through the man who runs the pharmacy. The only one who will admit that we are human. Wait, rein up, Mr. Paladin. There. There ahead. My land. Looks like land a man would fight for. Hey, everyone. This is OTR Rob welcoming you to Have Gun Will Travel. This episode is from February 22nd, 1959, and the episode is entitled Winchester Quarantine. The Winchester Repeating Arms Company has been in business since 1866. It was one of the few successful corporations in America, and they still go strong today. That's well over... But two, over 200 years they've been in business. <laughs> My math is wrong. Over 150 years at least. 180 years, 170 years, give or take. Something like that. Anyway, they first developed the repeating rifle in 1866. And that was the name of their first repeating rifle was the 1866. And it was most successful of the early guns that were produced. Now, the 1866 Winchester had a handle at the bottom of the um, rifle, and, uh, and when you cocked it forward and then cocked it back to the stock, you were actually putting a bullet into the chamber. And on the side of the rifle was a slot where you could put four bullets of forty-four caliber and you put those four bullets in, and they would. Um, there was a spring load in it, so that when you cocked the the rifle forward, it brought a, a bullet up into the chamber. That's how that worked. And why I say that Winchester was a successful corporation was because that the French in their war bought six thousand. 1866 Winchester repeating rifles for their army. Anyway, enjoy this episode of the Winchester Quarantine, and I'll see you guys back here next week. If you men want me to leave, you'll have to make me. I was going to be the first to try. Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. Paladin.
San Francisco, 1875, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of a man called Paladin. Hey, boy. Oh, yes, oh, Mr. Paladin. Help me with these bags, will you? Oh, yes, Mr. Paladin. Oh, you go away again so soon? It seems Mr. Edgar Potts in Tucson needs my services. Oh, yes, sir. I know Mr. Potts. He is not a good man. But he's a rich one. Oh, you make uh, lots of money, eh, Mr. Paladin? Well, that's my plan. Uh, look, hey, boy, this came up very suddenly. I've had to cancel my engagements for this week. Will you see that these notes are delivered? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, let me see. Uh, Missy Dilly Clark, Kitty O'Connor, Adelaide Smith, Jesse Donahue, Francesca Valise, Mabel Hart, and Major John B. Culpepper. Thursdays, I play chess. Even if you've had embarrassing dandruff for years, you can get rid of it now in three minutes. That's all it takes with Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Yes, unsightly dandruff's gone in three minutes with Fitch, quickest, easiest of all leading shampoos. What's more, using Fitch regularly is guaranteed to keep embarrassing dandruff away. Just apply in the unique Fitch manner. Before you wet hair, rub in one minute. This way, Fitch shampoo penetrates right down to the scalp. Next, add water. Lather one minute to wash every trace of dandruff out of your hair. Then rinse one minute. All that loosened dandruff goes down the drain. In three minutes, with Fitch, one rubbing, one lathering, one rinsing, dandruff's gone. At the same time, gentle Fitch can leave your hair up to 35% brighter. To get rid of dandruff problems forever, brighten hair too. Use Fitch regularly. Get Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo today, only 59 cents. Glass of rye, bartender. Yes, sir. There you are. Come in on the stage. Yeah. Figure to stay a while in Brotherton? No, as soon as they get that axle fixed, I'm going on to Tucson. Where are you from? San Francisco. Great little town, Frisco. Yeah. Noisy in Brotherton. What's going on? Well, now, wait till I get around there. We'll just go have a look-see. We want the engine. We told you it was going to happen. Now, you listen to me. You get rid of every head of that disease stock on your place, engine. But we'll do more than keep you within your boundaries. We'll burn you out. House hide in the air. I guess it ain't nothing. Might as well go back and finish your drink. He shot that Indian's horse. Now, you take yeah. that carcass away and burn it. There's sickness enough without you savages bringing in more. Come on, Petey. Who are those men? The one on the big roans, McNally. The other's Peavy, his foreman. And the Indian? Joe Whitehorse. He's got a little ranch, borders on McNally's spread. I see. He's an educated Indian. They're the worst kind. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Why did he kill his horse? Rough him up like that? I don't know. It ain't my problem, mister. Where's the livery stable? North end of town. (laughs) 
White Horse? Yes. My name is Paladin. This is my card. Have gun, will travel. I see. Thank you, Mr. Paladin. Not interested? If I had money to hire you, I wouldn't be hiking 20 miles carrying this saddle. I would have another horse. I happen to be going your way. Why don't you put your saddle over this other horse of mine? No obligation. It is right to tell you, even if I had money, I would not hire you. I don't hold with men who follow the gun. I agree, Mr. Whitehorse. It's not a practical business, but 20 miles is a long walk. And this is a heavy saddle. I accept your kind offer, Mr. Paladin. hundred and fifty prime healthy cows. Now ten are dead. The rest ready to fall. They keep losing weight, dying. Has a veterinary looked at them? I can't get him to come out and look. I am a mission Indian. Educated Indian. I have few friends among my own people and fewer among yours. Yes, I saw an example of that back there in Brotherton. They don't want me in that town. I can't trade in the stores. I buy supplies through the man who runs the pharmacy. The only one who will admit that we are human. Wait, rein up, Mr. Paladin. There. There ahead. My land. Looks like land a man would fight for. I paid for that land I'm willing to fight. I don't know how. My father wore feathers in his hair. He lived in Itipi. He was at war with a white man fighting for his way of life. When he saw he could never win, it broke his spirit, but it made him wiser. He sent me to the mission school, learned to live and think like a white man. He said that was the only way we could have a home in our land. Three riders. You know who it is? Wade. Phoebe in two of his hands. The one who killed my horse. Yeah. So you got yourself another horse. The one you shot cost me $40. You have to pay me for that. You? You friends with him or just passing through? You ask that like a man hoping for the wrong answer. You working for an Indian? He hasn't hired me yet. You're half a mile from his boundary line. You aim to keep going? I thought I might. It ain't that simple, mister. Can ride in on that horse, but you try to ride out and he'll go down with a slug in his head. No animal comes off on that ranch. Yours are nobody's. Mr. Paladin, he means what he says. You saw that in town. You're going to lose two good horses. I'll walk the rest of the way. You'll ride. You've used my horse for 15 miles, and I expect the man who's done that to rub him down and ask me to sit at table. You will be most welcome. All right, then. Right on in. But you'll be sorry. I was a teenage germ. That's right. I was a teenage germ, living in a lovely scratch on the tile bathroom floor. I came in on a saddle chew, and then I moved to the floor. 
There were millions of us, James, playing rock around the sink or hiding in fact. My hostess was a wonderful woman. Every week she'd splash all around us with nice warm soap and water. But then some rat squealed to her about Lysol, and we had to beat it. Lysol kills germs. It was murder. Yes, if you're a germ, you'll hate Lysol. Because Lysol kills disease germs, many deadly viruses too. Lysol also destroys bathroom odors. Cleaning every week with Lysol in the suds disinfects your bathroom from one cleaning to the next as nothing else can. A little Lysol brand disinfectant in the suds makes your favorite cleaners work better, including many that claim to sanitize. Lysol is now available in regular or pine fragrance, as little as 29 cents. We're looking for a new bathroom to live in. How about yours? More coffee? Oh, yes. Please, Mrs. Whitehorse. So, you are a gunfighter, Mr. Paladin. Well... Miss Whitehorse, uh, I have a certain talent with weapons. When people in trouble need such a talent, I hire it out to them. I see. Is uh, a gunfighter expensive, Mr. Paladin? I have expensive tastes. Joseph, mm-hmm. I like my home. I want to stay here. I think all we need right now is time. Every day more stock dying? Quarantine around me that means I must sneak off my own land like a But with time, Joseph, we can find out what is sickening our cattle. We can build a healthy herd. Joseph, if Mr. Paladin can scare them into leaving us alone... I will not have that kind of thing, Martha. But we must do something. Mr. Paladin, we do not have any money to pay you... But this is rich land. We will give you a part of it. If you will fight for your part. And for ours. I'll talk with these men. In the meantime, thanks for your hospitality. It was our pleasure. I'll walk out with you. Take care, Mr. Paladin. McNally is a violent man. You told Peavy he'd have to pay you for that horse he shot. I don't mind taking over the debt. I'll trade you the horse you came home on. Ah, that's a good horse. You cheat yourself. Well, maybe I'll get Peavy to throw in something else of value. Mr. Paladin. Well, perhaps you won't understand. Men differ. What do you mean? When I walk out of my house onto my own land, it gives me a good feeling. I love this place. It has given me pain, but there, there is something. This, this is mine. This handful of earth here. This is mine. Certainly. It's just like a... Wait. Hmm? Your handful of earth there. Where? Here. Put in this handkerchief. Here, in the handkerchief. Hmm. Uh, good. I don't understand. <laughs> strange man, Mr. Paladin. That's right, and I've just had a strange notion. I'll see you again, Mr. Whitehorse. At the boundary of the Whitehorse Ranch, I dismounted to close the fence gate. 
The first rifle shot came high to my right. The second shot killed my horse. Both of them had come from somewhere in the brush behind me. I had an idea who had fired them, and I had to score to settle with them. <laughs> sure looks like you're afoot, don't it? You did that shooting? This is Indian boundary. That's a bad habit you have, PV, killing horses. I warned you. I remember. Now I'll use your horse to take me into town. You lay a finger on that bridle, you engine. You can tell McNally what happened. He'll find me in town. the only pharmacy in town? Oh, yes. My name's Reinhardt. What can I do for you? You know the white horses. Oh, you mean our thieving, scalping, over-educated local Indian. I do. Oh, and before you say your piece, let me inform you that this is the only store in town that'll do business with them. And proud to say it. Now, what's on your mind? Are you set up to make a chemical analysis, Mr. Reinhardt? Chemical analysis? Son, I've got the most complete laboratory south of San Francisco, back there just gathering dust. <laughs> Where's there a place for science in a town where they... Bury a chicken head by the light of the moon to get rid of warts. Let me tell you something, mister. McNally, he tells the citizens how to think. And speaking of the devil. Uh, McNally? He's probably looking for me. Oh, what for? Here, uh, take this. What in tarnation do you want me to do with a clod of dirt? Now, we're only supposing, Mr. Reinhardt. Run a test on this, and I'll talk to you later. Okay, but it don't make any sense. Gentlemen, you pistol let my foreman steal his horse? I disciplined your foreman, Mr. McNally. As to the horse, PVO Joe Whitehorse for the one he shot. I took over the debt and settled it. You working for Whitehorse? kind of men are we breeding that takes wages from an engine? I couldn't get a dollar out of him. He doesn't have one. That's why I'm here. Well, if you're not with the engine, what's on your mind? I want to be hired. We're doing all right. You're wasting your time trying to starve Whitehorse out. You don't have to starve. I offered to buy his place. At a profit? I offered him $10,000. Why are you so anxious to own his land? His land's good, and there's water, and I don't aim to raise my children next to some savage. Besides, he's aiming to let that cattle sickness spread over the whole range, wipe us all out on account of he hates us so. Hmm. Perhaps I can persuade him to sell. How? His wilderness will increase in ratio to the size of my fee. How willing do you want him to be? All right, you're hired. Get on out to his place. First, you go to the bank and draw some money. I think White Horse would want to be paid off in cash. That's a lot to trust you with. Well, then you carry it. And carry an additional 2000 Mr. McNally. My fee. 2000 How much money do you think I have? How much do you hate Indians? I have some business in the pharmacy here. And I'll see you at the White Horse Ranch. <laughs> There's a big change going on, an important one for car buyers. It's the countrywide change to Rambler. Passing car after car in sales, Rambler now leads all but two other makes in state after state. What does it all mean? 
that Rambler has what people want and cannot get in other cars. Rambler is the quality compact car. For instance, Rambler has plenty of hat room, shoulder room, and leg room for six big people. Yet Rambler is so trim on the outside, it handles and parks with the greatest ease. For first cost, gas economy, and resale value, Rambler is America's top economy car. Yet only Rambler offers the fine features of personalized comfort. There are front seats that glide back and forward separately to perfectly fit short legs or long, adjustable headrests, airliner reclining seats, twin travel beds, finest air conditioning at lowest cost. Throughout, Rambler engineering is more advanced, Rambler workmanship more careful. Come in and drive the quality compact car Rambler. See your Rambler dealer. He's waiting outside there, Mr. Whitehorse. You've already overtaxed his patience. You didn't understand me, Mr. Paladin. I won't sell. You can do a lot with that car. I won't be pushed off my land. I stay here. I told McNally you'd sell. Then you'd tell him you were mistaken. And lose my fee. Why do you ask my husband to do this thing? Because it's my considered opinion he should sell to McNally. And if it is not my opinion, if I say I stand up to that gun of yours... I think that would make everything very uncomfortable. We ask only to live in peace, to have a home to build for ourselves and for those who come after, and you... You are no better than the others. Martha, <laughs> should not have done that no matter what. Forgive her, Mr. Paladin. Martha carries our first child. She is upset. What kind of a world have we to offer our child? Sign it, Joseph. Sign the paper. Here is ink, a pen. Give them their bill of sale. We will find some place to live in peace. Yeah. You have earned your money. I'll tell McNally he can come in and take possession. One day you will meet a gun faster than yours. That's probably true, Mrs. Whitehorse. All right, McNally. All set, huh? All set. Yeah, I got no respect for critters. Knows he ain't wanted, but hangs on anyway. In old days, he'd be long gone by now. You've made your point, Mr. McNally. Here is your bill of sale, McNally. It is your ranch now. And you got the money? That does it. Not quite. Let's not forget $2,000. Oh, sure. See me in town. I see you now, McNally. Oh. Oh, well. Uh, here. Thank you. White Horse, learn something from this business. You Indians have reservations all over the country. That's where you belong. Mr. McNally is a man of deep prejudices. And not soft about him, neither. Ooh, anything but soft. If it hadn't been for your sickly stock, he'd have found another reason to starve you out. He did not starve us out. It was your gun that drove us off our land. My gun did you a favor, Mrs. Whitehorse. This land is useless. It's poison. Don't try to pass your cows here, McNally. They'll die. I'll get rid of that disease. I'll burn everything down to the dirt. But you can't burn the dirt, and that's where the poison is. 
You're crazy. I had the soil analyzed. It contains a certain element that affects all vegetation. It's called molybdenum, if you want to investigate it. On my land? McNally's land. I remember that I'd seen this cattle sickness once before down on the San Joaquin Range. So you knew this? Suspected it. Mr. Reinhardt verified it. If this is true... It's true. But then... I cannot keep this money. Oh, yes, you can. You dirty lying cheat. Good day, Mr. McNally. Hmm. Indian lover. Mr. Paladin. I'm sorry I had to do it this way, but... It's difficult to conspire with an honest man. Mrs. Whitehorse, I want to leave this fee for Mr. McNally as a gift for your child who is yet to be born. That is a great deal of money, Mr. Paladin. I cannot take it. Oh, please accept it. For your child, with my apologies for this imperfect world we have to offer him, and my hopes for a better one in his lifetime. Thank you, Mr. Paladin. Mr. Paladin, welcome. Hello, hey boy. Did you serve the most unworthy but very rich Mr. Potts? Uh, no, I was delayed, and when I got to Tucson, Mr. Potts was dead. His wife shot him. Oh, then you don't make lots of money. Your whole trip wasted, eh? Too bad. Not at all, hey boy. On the contrary, I found it quite rewarding. Oh, ah, uh, you have someone wait for you upstairs in room. Oh, well now. Yes, uh, Major John B. Culpepper. It's Thursday. Remember? Have gun. Will travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed by Norman McDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Herb Meadow and adapted for radio by Ann Dowd. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Harry Bartell, Lillian Byam, Joseph Kearns, Edgar Barrier, and Barney Phillips. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel. <laughs> <laughs>